Spotlight friends. My name is Chanel Shaw and you're listening to Ave Spotlight. Today we are going to be chatting with my friend Meg Hunter-Kilmer all about saints. We're going to do a spotlight on a saint. Welcome, Meg. Hello, Chanel. I am so excited to be talking to you today. How are you doing? What is life like for you? I'm doing okay. So I'm a missionary. I live out of my car and I drive around the country and fly around the world and give talks and retreats and stuff. So the pandemic was tricky, obviously. But I am vaccinated and I am back on the road. So, you know, during 2020 and first half of 2021, I was moving real slowly. I'd stay anywhere I went, I'd stay for two weeks just so I wasn't like spreading anything. And now I've been in three different beds in the last four nights. So it feels a little bit back to normal. (laughs) Wow. I love that for you. I love that for you. So Meg, you are the saint guru, as they say, and they, I just mean everyone that I've spoken to about you, you know, all there is to know about saints and you have an endless catalog in your brain. How did that start? Like, how did you get to that point? So I was not into the saints for like, I don't know, the first 15 years that I cared about Jesus. And then I read a saint book that was actually well-written. I don't mean to throw shade at all of the same books that are ever written, but everyone <laughs> that I had encountered, it was boring. Like it was just a list of events. There was no story. It wasn't about Jesus. Like it didn't capture the imagination or draw the heart to prayer. And then I found a book that did, Modern Saints by Ann Ball. And I was reading those stories and I was like, this could change hearts. You know, hearing the stories of people who struggle as you struggle or people who have the same life circumstances as you who are from the same culture as you, it just really gives people permission to run after holiness. It was like the church has had this wisdom for 2000 years, but it took me a minute to catch up. (laughs) And I began to research the saints. I've always been a storyteller and just realizing that like, this is why God gave me that gift. God made me a storyteller so that I could tell the stories of the saints, the stories of scripture and draw people to him. And it, yeah, it was just so exciting to get to know these amazing people who somehow haven't gotten press all over the world. You know, they may be famous in some corners of the world, but the people who are really new to the American Catholic Church, it's just always exciting to me to tell those stories and to see the way the Holy Spirit begins to break chains, to break the shame and the lies that people believe about themselves and to begin to hear just the wild love of God through the lives of the saints. Oh, sheesh. Okay. Wow. Come through with the word. That's amazing. I myself know, I mean, I really didn't start learning about saints beyond like Mary, Jesus, and Joseph until I was like in late high school. And during youth group, we just started learning about different saints. And I was really hot on the St. Therese train. She was like it for me. And then when we started just learning about how many they are and how a lot of them lived in the same time period, and then how a lot of them were actually friends and were in collective group, those things, you know, it just really gives you full body chills when I was learning about how, and I think then when I got older, you were actually the person that said this, you talked often about how they moved in groups or how they were born Mm -hmm. in groups. And how like a lot of them, you see them in clusters of when they're in the same area. That is just so crazy to me to think that, you know, you could be surrounded by so many other saints just in your day-to-day life, driving to work, you know? Yes. And thinking about who's going to be with you on your holy card, Mm. you know, like I love Saints Basil and Gregory. Saint Basil had 
five siblings who are saints, two parents who are saints, and a grandmother who was a saint, but he shares a feast day with his college roommate because St. Basil the Great and St. Gregory Nazianzen made each other saints. We're looking at Dorothy Day and Catherine Doherty, who are servants of God. And we have a picture of one of them giving the other one a big smack on the cheek because they're like just such buddies that they're like kissing each other in this picture because they love each other. And thinking about that and the friendships in your life where you're like, not only do I think like that person might have what it takes, like she might get canonized one day, but the friendships where you're like, if we get canonized, it's together because we are making each other holy. It's not like we both are running after Jesus and we happen to be in the same environment as each other. It's like people will look back at our friendship and say, that's what did it. It was through their desire to call each other further into the heart of Jesus. That's what made them saints. And with your spouse and with your kids, like all of these different relationships, just recognizing the way that God uses those to bring glory to his name. So beautiful. Wow. That is so amazing. I don't know if I'm going to be the focus of a holy card myself, but I would definitely love to be alongside somebody. (laughs) So So Meg, we would love for you to share with us a saint spotlight story. So do you have a saint that you would like to tell us about? I would love to hear. I love hearing Meg tells the best stories. And (laughs) when she um, used to visit me in Denver, when I used to live there, she told some of my same age friends, so my young adult friends, some stories about saints. And one of them, particularly my friend Sean, still talks about your stories and how he was on fire for some saints after you told us about, was it Hebe? It was Blessed Peter Hebe. Yeah. I had just met him when I came to visit you. Oh, like, man. The day before I had met him. And I was like, this guy is incredible. <laughs> it's like you got... <laughs> You got shown like going about. So I'm so excited to hear your stories. Yeah. So I was praying about it. And I think I want to tell y'all about St. Mark G. Tian Xiang. So it's St. Mark G. J. I. T. I. A. N. X. I. A. N. G. And his feast day is July 7th. And he was a Chinese man who lived from 1834 to 1900. And he was an opium addict. Not had been an opium addict. He was an opium addict at the time of his death. And he's a canonized saint. And these are the stories that I love because it just speaks to the power of grace. So he grew up in a Christian family in China and he was a doctor and an acupuncturist, you know, kind of like upper middle class, serving the poor for free, making his mom proud, married, he had kids, like he's doing it, right? Just like the ordinary Sunday Catholic kind of life. You know, maybe he's going to daily mass. There's not a ton of information about him, but he got a stomach ailment and he treated himself with laudanum, which is an opiate. And it was a totally typical treatment, the same way that a lot of opioids in our country are typical treatments for various different physical needs. But he became addicted to opium and he kept going to confession. And he kept having to go back and confess the same thing again and again, which already is incredibly discouraging, right? I mean, if you've ever been like locked in a habitual sin or an addictive sin, so frustrating and and shameful, but he was living in the 19th century. So this is before the church for anybody had any sense of addiction, right? You know, addiction wasn't something that the world recognized as a physiological issue, it seemed like a moral failing, 
when you said I'm addicted, you know, if you could even have used that language, it just looks like you're not trying that hard. And that's what his priest thought. And so his priest, Lord have mercy on him and rest his soul, told him, you obviously aren't sorry, or you would just stop. So I can't absolve you. Don't come back until you're clean. Which is not how addiction works. And it's also not how confession works, right? Like if you're confessing a sin, you have to desire to stop sinning in the future, but you're not going in like, okay, well, I've conquered this one. And now I'm ready to like check that one off and be done with it. Right. Mm. So if a priest says like, if you go in and you're like, bless me, father, for I'm about to drop kick a puppy. Like, okay. Yeah. You can say no that time. But if you're like, I hate this. I wish I didn't do it. I know I'm going to fall again, but man, I'm trying really hard not to. It's a whole different situation, right? So this priest didn't understand that, told him not to come back to the sacraments until he got sober, which, man, Chanel, if it was me, I think I'd be like, I don't need you, right? I don't need this shame. I don't need this guilt. I don't need this church, right? Like, I mean, he's living in China. It's not like there aren't other options. He's already countercultural for being involved in the church. He could so easily just be done with it. But this man knew Jesus. And even though he couldn't receive the Eucharist, he was not willing to leave, which I think is so encouraging for some of us right now who are struggling with the church, who are having a hard time with what we're hearing from pastors or bishops with things that are being said or things that are going unsaid. To look at St. Mark G. Chan a man who was told basically you're garbage and you don't deserve Jesus and said, okay, well, I can't fight that, but I can stay. And he stayed 30 years without the sacrament, showed up every Sunday for 30 years. And for 30 years, he prayed that he would die a martyr because he was convinced, you know, his priest had told him that he wasn't good enough for Jesus. He was convinced the only way he could be saved was through martyrdom. And in 1900, during the Boxer Rebellion, the rebels were rounding up anybody who was overly Western, um, sort of a response to a lot of Western imperialism and colonialism that was going on in the region. But anybody who was Christian, that seemed Western to them. Although, you know, we know that Christianity was founded in the Middle East and has been a global religion from the very beginning. It was too European. And so they're rounding up Christians and they go to St. Mark G. Tianxiang's house. And I'm sure his neighbors were like, please, that guy, that guy can't go six hours without a hit. Like he's not going to stay strong for Jesus. But he went with them, he and his children and his grandchildren, I think 11 members of his family all together. And his little grandson asked him, Grandpa, where are they taking us? And he said, they're taking us home. And they took him and the whole family to prison. And he asked them only one favor. He said, I ask you to kill me last. I don't want anybody in my family to die alone. And he accompanied every one of them to their death. And then he went to his death singing the litany of the Blessed Virgin Mary, an opium addict and a canonized saint because no sin, no addiction, no mental illness, no broken family situation, nothing in your life is bigger than God's grace. And I think those of us who deal with addiction or those of us who love people who are struggling with addiction can find such hope in this story and the way that grace was at work through all of that. Because, you know, like this isn't, Like, obviously, he's dealing with the fear of martyrdom and likely with torture in the prison, but he's also detoxing. And in that, he's still managing to remain faithful. And the way that that was possible 
was because of 30 years of showing up. The grace, the strength that was being built in him, the way that the Holy Spirit was empowering him in those years of darkness and loneliness and self-recrimination, it was building to that day when he was able to stand with his family and to say, we will not turn our back on Jesus. Whatever the church has said and done, we will not turn our back on Jesus. And we just look at him and we see just how much God's mercy is abundant, even in circumstances where we can't see it. So that's St. Mark G. Tianxiang. Amazing, amazing. Oosh, wow. That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing. I literally have no comment. <laughs> that is so amazing. Wow. So where can we find more information on different saints, including, how do you say, can you help me? St. Mark G. Tianxiang. St. Mark D. G. G. Tianxiang. Okay. Where can we learn more information about him and other saints? So uh, I actually, I have a book that just came out for children. I have a book that's coming out in October. So you'll have to hold off on Mark G. Tianxiang because I couldn't figure out how to explain addiction to seven-year-olds without knowing the context of their family and if they might need like extra gentleness. So he didn't make the children's book, uh, which is called Saints Around the World, which just came out last month. But he will be in my book coming out with Ave Maria in October. It's called Pray for Us, 75 Saints Who Sinned, Struggled, and Suffered on Their Way to Holiness. You can also, if you Google him with my name, you'll find an article that I wrote about him on Alatea. After I wrote that, people got kind of excited about him. So there's a bunch of articles out there. When I was doing the research, I was like figuring out how to Google in Mandarin. But this stuff's available now. Honestly, I start with Google. But if you're looking for books and you can't wait until mine comes out in October, Anne Balls, anything by Anne Ball, but particularly Modern Saints, Volumes 1 and 2 is a really great place to start to find stories that really captivate, that aren't just a list of details, but are actually an introduction to a person. Mm, Wow. Thank you so much, Meg. I'm definitely going to check those out. I love hearing saint stories beyond the scopes of the ones that we see in our parishes. It's amazing to hear that there are saints that struggled. And like you said, struggled until they died. And it wasn't just a struggle that they had and then they repented and didn't have any more. So it yeah. really brings those stories are good too, right? Like when it's good as well. He was such a sinner and then he had a conversion and he never sinned again. You're like, that gives me hope that that, <laughs> that might happen awesome. for me. Sure. But I like the ones who like just kept fighting and just kept struggling or the ones who were like totally converted and then like started a holy war because they got angry that somebody wouldn't let them borrow a book. You know, like no joke, St. Columba of Iona got 3,000 people killed because he didn't get to borrow his friend's book. Like bad news bears. But like, I love those because it's just so encouraging that if you're sort of slogging through this day-to-day of being a Christian and you feel like I should be holy by now, I should be, then you look at St. Jerome and you're like, but you know what? Some people, it just takes a minute or like a lifetime and that's okay because God can work with that too. Wow. Thank you so much. This whole podcast, people are going to be like, Chanel, just keep saying thank you, but thank you so much. You've have no idea how just even encouraging it is to hear, especially during this time when things are so weird, we're transitioning back into normal life. And I know so many people are having such a hard time getting back to normal, right? Getting back to life and Mm -hmm. feeling like 
things that they may have used to cope during the pandemic or like rearing their ugly heads, they're going to have to address them. So this is so awesome. So Meg, at the end of every episode, we ask each guest what their hope for the week is. So something you're looking forward to, something you're hopeful for. I can go first if you need some extra time or you can go first. How no, you- girl, I'm ready. I'm okay. ready. I'm excited. All right, tell me, what is your hope for the week? So I am headed down to a summer camp in Maryland. It's my favorite place that I go. It's just a parish. It's a day camp. But the staff there are just men and women who love Jesus and they love me. And living out of my car, I don't have a lot of places where I really feel like I'm home. And St. John's in Hollywood, Maryland, it just feels like home. And while I'm there, you know, I give talks and stuff, but I also just spend like eight hours a day sitting on the couch and I've got a schedule and kids sign up to come and do a one-on-one. And I just like listen to their hearts and I love them and I give them St. Friends and I pray with them. And it's like, my heart is really in relational ministry, which is a hard thing to do when you're living in a car. And when I'm at St. John's, it's just like 40 hours a week of like just loving people in their brokenness. And so I'm, it's going to be exhausting, but I'm really excited to get down there. Wow. That is amazing. Well, you are very good at relational ministry. You've always been someone that I can just say anything to and talk to. And so I'm excited for those kids that they get to experience your mom love. You are like a warm hug. I've been watching Frozen Mm. a lot since I've been watching these kids, (laughs) (laughs) been nannying these kids. And you are definitely like a big warm hug. So I'm excited for those kids. So for me, I am home. And so I've been living with, moved back home, Florida, living with my mom. And I'm really excited because my mom and I are going to take up biking. And by that, I mean casual one mile an hour biking in our circular (laughs) suburb. So so I'm excited though to just take up a hobby with my mom. I'm hopeful that we can stick with it and, you know, just have some fun and just spend time together. You know, it's been a couple of years since I've lived at home. So just spending some intentional time with my family. I'm really hopeful that that bears like good fruit, you know? as weird as it is to like live with your parents again, I'm excited. So I'm really pumped for that. Meg, where can we learn more about you and what you're up to? So you can Google Hobo for Christ and you'll find my website. You can also go to saintsaroundtheworld.com if you want to hear more about my book, the one that's already out for children. It's a hundred stories of saints from nearly 70 different countries, beautifully illustrated by one of my dearest friends, just a really, really lovely book. And yeah, if you're on my website, you can find all of my social media handles. I like forget that I have a blog for years at a time, but I'm real good on Instagram. So you can find me on Instagram. And if you go on Instagram on my story highlights, you can find lots of different saint bios. Um, Particularly, I've got a highlight for black saints and Asian saints and Latino saints, indigenous saints, Middle Eastern saints. So you can kind of branch out from Italy and Ireland, uh, which are amazing countries with amazing saints, but we can be a little bit more universal these days. Yeah. Sweet. I love that. Well, we'll make sure to put all of that in our show notes so people can check you out. But Meg, thank you again for being our guest today and sharing our Saint Spotlight. Such a pleasure. Thank you, Chanel. Thank you guys for listening. And thank you to Meg for being our guest. Make sure to check out her book, Saints Around the World, and her upcoming book, Pray For Us with Ave Maria Press. I'm looking forward to talking to you guys next week. In the meantime, don't forget to comment, rate, and subscribe. All right. Talk to y'all soon. God bless. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. 
For more great podcasts, visit Spokestreet.com.